Hi, my name is Alexander Hastings, and welcome to my very first podcast of Diary of a Trans Man. Now, obviously, I am the transgender man in this podcast, and I wanted to start this project as a way of documenting my experience through transition, and for this to be a source of knowledge for any other people that think that they too might be transgender. I was born in 1992, and what I really appreciate about the 90s is that there was no stylistic choices that were completely uh, masculine and feminine at the time. So I got away with being a tomboy pretty easily my entire childhood. I was on uh, a seaball team for two years through my second and third grade uh, school years in, in elementary school. And if you don't know what seaball is, that is machine pitch baseball. I was on a team with all other guys, and I just remember thinking, you know, I belong here. Soon after, uh, my parents gave me the ultimatum I was not allowed to go forward and play a ball which was normal pitch uh, baseball with my team I had to switch over to soccer or um, softball and I chose to start playing soccer because softball always just seemed very feminine and weak and to me it just didn't see, feel the same as baseball once I started going into middle school and high school, uh, puberty rolled around, hormones started going crazy. I started dressing more feminine. I got a boyfriend who, well, we were together for 14 months. And I believe when he broke up with me uh, before my junior year, that was a real pivotal turning point for me kind of in my life. I really try to dress to please him, kind of a codependency thing. Um, So when that was over and I took a look at myself, I decided that this is not who I am. I'm going to change. So I would would start making my own money. I had a job. Uh, I would go buy clothes for myself. And I would sneak over to the men's section, you know, real stealthy, and... I started buying uh, jeans, male jeans for me, and t-shirts, and even underwear. I would buy boxer briefs, and this is how I started doing my own laundry in high school. Um, My parents were real happy about that. I just didn't want them to find uh, the underwear that I had hidden. And they didn't really care about the jeans or the t-shirts. They figured I was just going through a phase, but I figured the... The underwear would be kind of like a a weird turning point in our relationship. So I would hide it. And I started wearing my pants, you know, low around my hips. You could see my underwear at school. You know, I looked like a a total tool. Um, (laughs) But I had a friend who who dressed the same way, and I should have realized it at the time, but he was also transgender. Now, he came out about two years into college, and I'm kind of jealous about that. I wish I had, you know, figured it out about myself a lot earlier too um, because I'd be a lot farther in the process than I am now 
in my life, there has always been one driving goal, and that was to join the military, which I ended up doing in 2015. As a kid growing up, uh, my cousins and the guys that they married, a lot of them were in into the military. I had cousins in the Young Marine, and they would pass off old uniforms and you know pocket knives, boonie hats, and backpacks, just fun, fun military things to me growing up. So I had this big collection of camouflage uh, clothing and backpacks. And so I was, that was always kind of what I wanted to do growing up. In, in high school, I joined the Junior ROTC program, and that was fun because I got to wear a uniform uh, once a week, which was a pain at the time. You know, you had to put all those ribbons and everything on. Um, but at the same time, it allowed me to fit in with the group and, and not stand out. And I think that's that's why I was I've always been drawn to the military because it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl, you put on that uniform and you are a soldier, and that's it. So I think that was a way of trying to make myself one of the guys, you know, early on in my military career. Once I graduated from high school, I ended up going to the Virginia Military Institute in Lexington, Virginia. Now, I think that my time there kind of was a step back from me in terms of my transgender uh, progress of of coming out. In that school, there is only about 1,700 students. Now, my class started out with 555 students, but by the time we graduated, four years later, we were down to 276. So it's a very small class size, everybody knows each other, and in order to survive, you kind of had to find a group that you belonged with. Now, there was about 50 females in my class, and we would room together uh because obviously there was no mixed gender rooming. So I lived in a room with four other females for my first year, and then I had two other roommates for the remainder of my time there. Now, like I had said before, uh, one of the big attractors to the military life for me was that uniform, and that we all looked the same. And so at VMI, we all wore the same white uniform, white tops, white bottoms, polished black shoes, and and a gray cover hat that we would wear. Uh, In the wintertime, we wore black shirts with wool pants, which were incredibly itchy, uh, but meant that you didn't have to shave, you know, all all winter because it just ripped the hair off your legs. So that was fun. (laughs) Um, But with all the uniforms there came a pressure to dress a certain way when you put your civilians on. And like I said before, everybody had to fit into a certain group in order to uh, survive, to, to make friends. It was very clicky. There was, you know, the baseball team had their clique, the water polo team had their clique, 
it was you know very sports oriented because other than academics and sports there really isn't click you know what are you going to join on a military school i mean there was a theater uh theater club glee club i was in the glee club um i love to sing i was actually a soprano before i started taking testosterone now i'm about a baritone so that was a that was a huge change uh so since I had been wearing men's clothes through my junior and senior year of high school and, and really into when I first started at VMI, um, having to try to be more feminine and fit in, and so I had to do a whole other wardrobe swap again. I used Stitch Fix, uh, which is the personal shopping uh, service, to have them send clothes for me, to me, and I, I would just wear them. Um, and it worked. I mean, people thought I had style, and I was cool, and I fit in, and that was really how I was able to survive through through VMI and and make close female friendships. Was kind of dressing like them and and going undercover as a female, which they I mean they didn't know I was undercover. To them, I was just you know, Alex, the the cool girl, um, and I made friends that have lasted long after college, invited to their weddings, uh, and it wasn't until a few years into the military where I was finally able to shed this second skin that I had thrown on top of me to hide who I really was, and the, the key pivotal moment for me was when uh, President Donald Trump was elected to office and he made those tweets that I'm sure everybody who's listened to this knows about basically took back all of the protections that the Obama era had rolled out for trans people in the military, allowing us to come out and receive that gender dysphoria diagnosis and actually start medically transitioning and not having to hide who you were in the military anymore. And since Donald Trump you know, basically removed all that and had General Mattis start a new study to try to figure out if they were going to let us stay in or kick us out. It was just a very confusing time in my life. I had just deployed over to Europe. Um, It was my first duty station. I wanted to fit in, but at the same time, once I heard all those things happening back in the United States, suddenly it felt like I was rushed. I had to commit now whether I was transgender or not. So this is where the story of my physical transition finally reaches its full uh, starting point. From April 2017 when I deployed over to Europe to my actual phone call to the behavioral health to say, hey, I need an appointment to meet with a gender uh, counselor. I want to begin. So I did a lot of research during that year that it took me to actually figure out what I wanted to do. And I started researching uh, testosterone, what the effects were going to be, top surgery, bottom surgery, I started following all those great trans activists on Instagram and Facebook and trying to, you know, 
look at their stories to see if maybe my story matched with theirs as a sort of self-validating look into my life to make sure that, well, they're trans and this is what they went through. So if I'm going through what they went through, then obviously I must be trans. And it took me a full year to to really commit that, yes, I'm trans. This is not just me mimicking somebody else. This is who I am. So I called the Behavioral Health the General Counselor on December 12th, 2017. And I'll remember that because I was sitting in my my house which I shared with my roommate um, and he he was in his room and I was down the hall and I remember picking up my phone and calling behavioral health and whispering into my phone that I needed an appointment Uh, because at this point in my life I really wasn't I we had just come out to myself I wasn't really ready to come out to anybody else so I made that appointment and before the the end of the year, I was sitting in an office with a counselor getting that initial uh, diagnosis, kind of. And that started my journey as a transgender man in the military. Now, for those of you who aren't in the military and might want to know how the process works in case you're interested in transitioning while you're in. They have a transgender treatment team that is comprised of a doctor um, who leads the team to be a family practitioner doctor and a psychologist. There's also a nurse, a behavioral health nurse, and um, together they work to fill out all your memorandums, make sure that you get the treatment plan that you're working for, and then are your advocates through the whole medical process uh, to make sure that you can get your transition in in a timely, timely manner without having to wait too long. So I had to go through a bunch of counseling sessions, I think it was like five or six, in total, before I finally was given that uh, gender dysphoria diagnosis officially. And once I received that diagnosis, that's when I got to meet the head of the transgender team, who was a captain. And it was another meeting we had to talk about, yes, are you sure you're trans? Yes, I'm sure. And from there, the, like, okay, so now we get to set up the meeting. And at this meeting, here we're going to do all your memorandums. And then we're going to get you an appointment with an endocrinologist uh, via video chat. And from there, we should be able to get you started on testosterone within a month or two. And at this point, since I had met the gender counselor on December 12th, it had now been another six months uh, till I received this, this meeting, this sit-down. And I had, I mean, there was a couple obstacles in my way. So my primary care doctors, uh, obviously they knew about my, my diagnosis because it was in my military records at this point. And I'm a pilot, so they're 
of course, making sure, you know, I know the risks and the fact that I could probably, um, there's a chance that I might never fly in the military again, um, which I'm currently working through uh, getting around. And so it took, it just took a very long time uh, to get the, the backing uh, that I needed from all of my doctors t- to make sure that I was real. This is what I really wanted to do, which I'm glad for because it gave me the opportunity to reach a point in my life where I was able to come out to other people and let them know that I was trans before I started. So it took from December till May was when I finally was able to come out to my parents. And I think, and this this probably will be like for a lot of other people, that coming out, it just builds up so much expectation in your mind of how thing how it's going to be like I thought my parents were you know gonna disown me because I wasn't their perfect little girl anymore and I was afraid my sister would never talk to me and I was wrong and I know this isn't the same for a lot of people I know a lot of people don't have that support from their their family which sucks um you know and that's kind of why I'm, I'm doing this podcast is for people who need that support but can't get it at home. And I, w- I want to be able to support other people that are going through the same thing that I went through. So actually coming out for me was staggered um, in terms of who who I, I told first and, and when. I'm I'm not actually 100% out to everybody in my life. I mean, there's a lot of people I work with who I haven't told. Uh, a lot of friends from, from college and high school who I haven't told. Um, and I, I think I'm kind of hoping that maybe they'll just figure it out <laughs> on their own, which is it's asking a lot of people. Um, but it's baby steps. You start You start small, and you can work your way out your way up to to fully coming out and I'm an introvert at heart so talking to people and um, it's always been a struggle so this podcast is is helping me overcome some of those fears of putting myself out there I hope there's someday in the future where I can be 100% out to everybody I meet and that I'm because I'm extremely proud to be transgender. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm just, it's nerves and anticipation and another other natural, you know, fears, kind of. But I came out to my parents first in in May, and I went to my mother first. And so I had my parents all. My sister had gone back to college, so I, I went upstairs to to the Netflix room at my, at my parents' house and. Uh, sat down and didn't talk to my mom and there were tears because everything gets emotional and she was like are you sure and once again yes I'm sure I'm like okay well now we got to tell your father <laughs> and that was what I was really scared of because it's, it's one thing to get a woman's perspective but another thing to tell your 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 dad that no you're not his his daughter you're his son and so we we went downstairs, and I was shaking, and then I told him. And he was like, okay, and? 
and so all these fears and, and anticipation had, had built up and it was just like a gas battery just being let out just whoosh <laughs> it's like okay great and, and i think he was i i think he was putting on a brave face but i was i was relieved at the time at what his answer was because uh, since since then i mean he struggled with my pronouns uh but then again he, he also calls my my dog by my sister's name and my sister my dog's name and messes everything up all the time so it's only it's only natural um that he'll he'll make mistakes in time but uh, they're working on it together which is nice and now from for my sister uh since she was back in college in, in virginia and i was i live in new york so i was back up north i came out to her over the phone and i was like I have something to tell you. And she's, she thought, oh my God, are you pregnant? It's like, nope, complete opposite. <laughs> Total 180. I am transgender. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. Cool. Like, okay, cool. Great. And then we hung up. <laughs> and that was it. That was the worst fear that I'd ever had in my life was coming out to my family. And it was done. And they were they were respectful about it and and nice. And I was like, wow, that's a that's a big weight off my chest. I mean, I haven't even started physically transitioning yet. I still had months to go at that point before I was even uh, given the prescription for testosterone. But at the time, I I felt really validated in who I was as a trans man. So over the next few months, I started to really change my look back to how I wanted to be seen. Um, and I went to a few weddings where I wore a nice button-up and vest and a tie. And I looked cool and I, and I had a great time. And I met with my friends and I just enjoyed being myself again and I was finally given my first prescription of testosterone on September 12th 2018 so I am officially four months on testosterone today which is really exciting and those first uh, couple weeks waiting uh, to get that prescription I went into a black hole of YouTube videos where I just searched for all the transition videos from all the famous transgender YouTubers and looked at their pre-teed, one month on T, two months on T, and trying to figure out what changes were going to come when and waiting for the day that I was going to grow a beard and then figuring out how long it would take for my voice to drop. And I was really excited. And I remember I took a, a little video, like one of those, hi, my name is Alex Hastings, and this is my voice, you know, two days on T thing. So I'll probably I'll probably play that on another show if I can get the audio the audio link up, uploaded so that you guys can hear how much my voice has changed because it, it's quite astonishing. And I'm, I'm surprised how people don't realize I'm trans when they've known me for two three years my voice is suddenly like 
three octaves lower. But they could just be, you know, waiting for me to spread my, my arms open and be like, I'm trans, accept me. <laughs> but I'll kind of give you a, a rundown of how these first four months have changed me physically and emotionally. Emotionally, I'm like 100% better, more confident. Before, because I kind of, I could pass as a cisgendered um, male prior to transitioning. I had short hair uh, since 2011 when I graduated high school. I cut my hair for, for school, and then I was rocking uh, a pretty sweet fade for a while. And the only thing that would, you know, expose me as female prior was my voice being really high. Like I had said earlier, I was a soprano uh, previously, so my, yeah, my voice was really up there. So I would try to talk lower and, you know, standing in line, like I'd go to Subway and they would say, uh, what do you want, sir? And then I would open my mouth to order and then be like, oh, sorry, sorry, ma'am. I'm like, well... <laughs> So close, almost, almost made it through. Uh, but as soon as I started taking testosterone, not even, I think, two two weeks to a month, my voice, you know, it just dropped a little bit. It got a little bit more gravelly, and I could start passing as cisgendered in, in real life, and, and that was really exciting for me because for the first time, I I wasn't scared to to talk. I could go and and talk in public and wouldn't be immediately outed or if somebody had been talking to me as male and they would start you know, they wouldn't suddenly start apologizing and saying ma'am and it was really it's really nice to to get called sir and then stay a sir in in somebody's minds other notable changes uh, for me in these first couple months has been hair growth like wow my dad has black hair, and he's kind of a furry monster, so I figured I was going to get those jeans, but I had always had really, like, blonde, light hair on my arms, and it has just darkened up to, to black hair. I've got black hair on my inside of my legs, you know, on thighs, kind of, on like it's where it didn't grow before, and on my chest, and on my stomach, got a, a really thick black happy trail, which is just really weird <laughs> lots lots of hair just everywhere no i'm not, none on my back yet i'm, I'm waiting for that to happen because that that'll just be interesting yeah to say the least so because i'm in the military i go to the gym all the time so one of the first changes that i was able to notice was sweat and smell so i'd always used you know male deodorant i use old spice which I was pretty grateful for in those first couple weeks because, I mean, just sweat. You go in and you go and you work out in a gym or inside where it's hot somewhere, and I would have visible sweat stains, you know, under my arms, on my back, a lot more than I had in the past. And then I, I would just really smell kind of just this musty, sweaties smell so i would have to go i go to shower um a lot more than i had in the past sometimes twice a day 
And fortunately, I mean, it's been, I live in New York, so it's it's pretty cold up here. So if I'm working outside, you don't really sweat as much. Uh, but I'm just waiting for, for that summer heat to roll through, and I'm just going to be a really sweaty guy. Just I'm going to wear lots of tank tops, just constantly air out. Now that I'm reaching, or I reached four months, um, I've noticed body fat distribution. So I put on some muscle over the last couple months, which has been nice. You know, I've got definition in my arms. Um, I can flex my bicep, and I actually see a bicep. You can see my abs a little bit in the uh, in the mirror, um, but the the body fat is really starting to settle more around the middle and my stomach versus on my legs um, where it used to used to kind of hang out so i got skinnier legs some drops a pant size um, t-shirt size has gone up just because of my shoulders they're gotten a little bit broader so and then my neck has gained about an inch all the way around so before when i put on like a medium button down it would be really loose around the collar uh, and kind of a little bit long in the arms, but now that I've kind of filled out, um, they fit better and I look more more masculine uh, when I'm out wearing uh, in public and I'm wearing clothes. Or I, can, I feel like I can go shopping now and not get called out immediately for, for being a female in the, in the men's section. I can use the, the men's locker room I can use the men's restroom and the changing rooms without that fear of really being called out. Because I've always had a sort of square, you know, face, a really strong jawline, which has all just become more defined as I've gone through testosterone these last couple months. I was even able to grow a very small, very light, little beard and mustache over uh, Christmas break, which is, you know, being in the military, you have to shave all the time because you got that clean chin, plus not everybody knows at work that I'm trans, so if they see any stubble, it's kind of a big outer. Uh, but over Christmas, I had three weeks to just not shave, and I grew this little blonde mustache that had just started to darken up on the, on the tips before I had to, had to shave it off again. I had a beard, it was little black hairs coming out, uh, probably a, almost to a half an inch long before before I had to shave it off, just on my chin. I mean, nothing on the on my cheek besides peach fuzz yet, because I, I grew up having blonde hair like when I was, until I was three before it darkened to a brown. But I've, I think eventually, I think I, I will be able to grow uh a good a good beard all around but that's going to take you know a couple of years obviously uh into the process and you can find all those transgender activists on on the internet who've been on testosterone for about you know seven to ten years and they've got really nice solid beards growing and that's that's the goal once i'm out of the military i'm gonna grow myself a nice a nice beard so this is kind of where i am over the last four months with with physical changes um, and we've reached about the end of the the time I had allotted here for the podcast. So if uh, if my show resonated with you in any way, 
Um, please subscribe on all the major streaming services. It's going to be on iTunes, Amazon, all of them. Uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all under the name Diary of a Trans Man. And if you have any questions, please, please uh, give me a shout out. Put them in the in the comments or send me a message. And I'm going to try to address any questions you guys have at the beginning of my next show. So uh, we'll see you next time on Diary of a Trans Man.